Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Value Line Observer, brought to you by the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. And we're 20-year Wall Street veterans that have taken on secret identities, adopted disguises, and changed our voices so that we can stay employed because our bosses would never allow us to bring you our honest, unfiltered, candid, uh, unvarnished, uh, unrequited <laughs> views on stocks every week. Did I get it right that time? I, 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 I guess. Okay. Uh, when we get together like we have for years uh, to uh, talk stocks, uh, we use the Value Line Investment Survey as a source of ideas every week. Uh, but before we uh, get on to the meat of the show, we have to remind you that this is for entertainment purposes only. Is this the vegetables part of the show, Vern? The, this is the caveats part ah, of the okay. show. Sorry. And we may own uh, one or all of the stocks that we're talking about or have other conflicts of interest. Uh, and uh, most importantly, we want to remind everybody that we often don't know anything about the stocks and the issues that we're talking about. I know a little bit about. this week. I'll just but we always candid. have an opinion. Um, to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.thevalueguys.com. In the second half of the show, I'm going to be back with, like every week, three high-quality value ideas. Well, and, ideas, and, and, anyway. Well, right. And this yeah. week, we've got, I think, a couple interesting uh, comparisons that we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to look at uh, why, this, you know, why I chose the stock I did. Uh, this is kind of a, this is one of my less favorite uh, weeks in the value line. Oh, oh sorry to well, hear that. Well, you have REITs, which is a you know a disaster right now. Opportunity. Uh, this this stuff's worth something, well, don't you obviously, think? Well, obviously, but I, we don't have the ability to figure out what the right values are. Uh, what? We don't? What, what in the world are we doing this <laughs> no, for? Well, we can, uh, we can learn, uh, though. Oh, God. I, I thought, jeez. <laughs> okay, it's out there now. Way we're to not, ruin Neither one of us is a read What analyst. am I going to do now, Vern? Um, oh, but there's uh, some other interesting spaces like the drug industry, and maybe you maybe maybe there. you know what you know what a really interesting employment opportunity is right now. We were looking at it in the shop today. Uh, government, <laughs> government's hiring. Like if you're a, if you're a security analyst that just feels unwanted right now, that sort of thing. The FDIC is hiring anyone. If recent who has events a degree make you finance. value stability more than you might have in well, the past. <laughs> listen, we were doing a little study in the office today. I was, let's say, and I'll just this came out alarming. I went back to the year 2000. This is on the Bureau of Economic Analysis site, BEA.gov. If you're a student of this sort of stuff, that's where all the data is. Go there and check it out. It pulls right into Excel. It just couldn't be easier. Uh, anyway, I got some categories of wage earning industries by month and there's great data in there and you can manipulate it a few ways so I set all that data at a hundred in the year 2000 so you're gonna see the growth rate over time guess what I'll fast forward guess what the fastest growing industry is in wages over the last nine years since isn't the year that, 2000 isn't that depressing it's government ladies and gentlemen so the people that we are paying to do services for us, I mean, think, think about this. A bunch of guys came here, they had a revolution, and then they're like, let's have a government. Nobody said, let's have the government get more than us over time, but that's what's happening. It's higher than manufacturing. Actually, manufacturing's down, as you might suspect. Goods, 
which uh, is down, and I think that's assembled goods because they're not manufactured, uh, yeah, but they're the, still goods. Every right? year for years. Yeah, goods. And those are small parts of the economy now, 15%. 48% is services. Government is uh, approaching 20%, and it's the fastest-growing category uh, since 2000. And I would have gone back further, but I just didn't have the data. That was a different page, and then I got... Uh, distracted yeah i think exactly i think a bird flew by or something like that uh anyway so that's my did it was that a rant that's my rant for no the it week. doesn't quite qualify i'm chewing into my stock picking Not enough time. anger okay well it's just interesting i don't know that i can be angry one guy can't be angry but i'm, I'm gonna say over time as taxpayers realize that the people we've hired are earning more than we are, and it's growing faster than ours, and they have benefits for life that they have to work only, you know, 10 years to get, which, by the way, my brother's one of these guys, and it's that's great for him. But in total, uh, you know, that's not going to be sustainable, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to take sides. I just have a, a calculator, and I'm going, that's not going to work out. So I think, you know, it's a little bit alarming. Of course, again, we all have the vote, so that is reassuring. Uh, anyway, three stock ideas. This is values, and uh, I took all of them this week, Vern, out of the healthcare area, the uh, drug industry. And my big theme on the drug industry, it's uh, it really is a productivity tool. That's my theme, because medicine and you know healthcare is under siege also by the very people I was speaking about earlier, and so these numbers are going to go up even more than I was talking about. That's for another show or the beginning of next week's show. Uh, my theme here is productivity. Um, drugs, pharmaceuticals, are the highest productivity part of the healthcare expenditures in the sense of you give someone a pill, okay, or a bunch of pills, they think it's expensive, their treatment might cost, you know, $1,000 a month or what have you, and people think that's a lot, but if you're making, you know, whatever, 3000 a month, 4000 a month, and if you couldn't work, if you didn't have that other drug because of the pain or whatever it is, then obviously it's worth it. Well, you may be talking about society. a daily visit to a clinic to get an injection. Uh, well, that too. But, um, you know, the whole area of pharmaceuticals, they're expensive, but if they get people to work, they pay their way more than hospitals and things like that. And so that's my theme this week. See, that's the area of the economy I would have assumed you would have seen faster growth than government since 2000. Well, you know, the the thing I saw, the breakout, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to do more work on it, is uh, what wasn't that detailed. So I think this is probably lumped in. The government is well behind in uh, the proper categories here based on today's economy, as you know, and you're a student of this sort of stuff too. I mean, 48% is services. Come on, guys. Manufacturing's 15. I should at least get three more groups in services. Anyway... Uh, and I'm sure there's more detail if I dig in. But let me get to three ideas quickly. I haven't left myself a lot of time because I've been ranting. Abbott Labs, ABT, theme, productivity, pills, save time in the office, and that's worth something. What attracts me is valuation. Uh, the stock is uh, it's up a little bit off the value line price, but it's 13 times earnings. That's a 10 15% discount from the market PE right now, and I'm going to suggest these are better than average companies at a below average price. That's just the simple truth of it. Um, it's about uh, nine times on a metric we like here, enterprise value, which is the total value of the company, debt and stock, less the cash, divided by the uh, operating income, which is, you know, what your conceivably approximates what your cash 
uh, would be taking out of the company. Um, so you can look at that as a yield. Nine times is 11% if I do the inverse. So you get 11% plus some kind of growth, which I'm going to say, you know, 10% here is what uh, these guys say. Demographics help you a little bit. And so, you know, maybe that's not too bad. You get close to 20% return here and uh, a little bit of yield along the way. There are some issues. I'm not an expert on drugs, I'll tell you that, but uh, they've got a couple drugs in the Ascension, an arthritis drug called Humira, um, and then something uh, in the drug-eluting stent category called Extents, and these guys are gaining share. These are undoubtedly high-margin items, and, you know, it doesn't say here in Value Line, but in the 70% range on these kinds of products. The near-term outlook is murky. They just lost a case with uh, Johnson & Johnson over the same drug, but Valuline says things should be okay. But even in the worst case, and the stock's down a lot on this news, which is why I'm talking about it, a billion seven in damages. Well, that's a lot, but they've got a billion five shares, so that's a buck a share. Stock at 50, so pretend you're paying 51. You know, that's how I look at something like that. Um, the stock's also down recently because the FDA says they're going to ban Vicodin. I talked to some uh, doctors recently on this. We did in the research uh, in the shop, and, you know, that's a lot of discussion. Obviously, they put acetaminophen in there. It's in other, in other medicines. People don't add up the dosage, and it leads to liver toxicity, and some people die over that. But, you know, what I'm hearing is it's a well-known risk. They'll do more labeling. They'll make sure there's education around this issue of too much acetaminophen. Add up the acetaminophen you take is the lesson. Uh, but the stock's down on that, and uh, there's not a lot of places to go. You, you can't ban Vicodin is what I'm told because <laughs> you need it. Otherwise, people will be screaming in hospitals all over America. We don't want that. Um, Valuline likes the stock a little bit, although they rated a three. They say they, they like it. The company has a diverse uh, revenue stream, Vern. They have a lot of different things. Just giving you a chance to jump in. That must. Well, I think of it as a big, yeah. stable blue chip with, uh, because of its size, uh, relatively lower growth. Uh, prospects, they're but not, this one pays a you know very attractive. Yeah, yield. they're not focused in one area. I guess they're in, yeah, in a okay. bunch of different things. Anyway, you can read about that, Abbott. Go look at it. Here's one, Endo uh, E N D P. This is one we're looking at in the shop right now. Um, it's just for entertainment purposes only, and all that. Uh, and I have no idea what I'm talking about, but we might have talked to management in the shop here recently, but have not yet bought it. Um, and so I don't, you know, I need to learn more about it. Basically, the, the attraction is it's nine times earnings. Uh, they're a pharmaceutical company. They sell pain medicine. So ask yourself, do we need that? Uh, yes, I think so. There's a lot of uh, concern about them losing the patents over the next three to four years to something called lidoderm, <clears throat> which, excuse me, which is the only thing in the market where you put a patch on your skin and it can put pain relief right to that spot through the skin so it's delivered. You don't have a bunch of pain medicine all through your bloodstream when you just need it right on your on your arm or something and like that. demographically above GDP growth by definition. Yeah, really. that's what I think. But there's issue about the patent. You know, again, I spoke to these guys or may have conceivably um, talked to them. And, um, you know, their view, which management doesn't always know what's happening, obviously, 
But their view is that in the delivery system, and I do know this from a past life, that um, you can build uh, you know proprietary elements around the delivery system so that someone may have your drug pack, you know, in a generic, but they can't match the convenience of the delivery system you have that patients prefer and doctors prefer to give because it leads to you know more compliance with the regimen or what have you. So I think they, there's some. Well, truth a lot to of that. times you can be talking about managing side effects. You know, for example, can you provide uh, consistent dosage over a long, uh, an extended period of time, rather than forcing the patient to take a bolus at one point in time, very high dosage to get you know blood levels up to a higher level? It might accentuate you know side effects. Of yeah, no, exactly. And so um, they do a decent return on capital. They've been as high as twenty. They're in the low teens now. It moves around a little bit. Um, they have uh, made an acquisition recently to uh, diversify away from pain. The market's very skeptical, skeptical about that. They bought something, I think it says here, I sort of circled it, but now I can't find it. What the heck's the name of it? Uh, anyway, uh, a company that I'm not thinking of right now that has a drug called Nibido uh, for testosterone, and evidently it, it helps the treatment of male, honestly it says this here in Value Line, hypogonadism. So they have a drug that cures that. I don't know. No one does. If I have it, I they've, want that drug no matter what the it drug. This is page 1597. <laughs> Read it yourself. I'm not making this up. Um, and so they're using the uh, stream of profits from their pain medicine to sort of fund a migration to some other areas. And it's just so cheap. The market doesn't think this is going to happen. It sounds to me like they may maintain some of this uh, lidoderm. So check it out. You know, I'm not really getting into the detail here. Uh, but we had a nice call, or may have, and we're doing more work in the shop. It looks pretty cheap and fear that's not warranted. Finally, Metasys MRX, page 1609, my theme, cheap. Uh, these guys do dermatology, dermatological products, and, uh, you know, that is a bit driven by demographics. They have a couple important products. One for of which skin is, grafts or for uh, elective surgery? Well, let's see here. Acne. And um, what else? You know, uh, value line. Skin conditions, Vern. What okay. else is there to well, know? If it's, Dermal more, Dermal if it's more elective, it'll be more economically well, sensitive. Well, it does say that here. People okay. have a cutback. They're showing some negative year-over-year -year comparisons. And one of their products is under siege by a generic. <laughs> okay. However, it's 12 okay. times earnings. They have a pretty good history of modestly medium returns. <laughs> and uh, I think they do have outstanding coverage, so there's no you know, issue with Bear debt. Bear right back. I have to call my broker. Yeah. Okay, please do. <laughs> uh, no, they got a pretty good margin, and uh, it's cheap as hell. What can I say? 12 well, times what's earnings. What's on this one? Well, it's 12 times close, earnings. I have a couple of other quick points, but yeah. I've run out of time. The company just had approved uh, you know, a new product. Look, here's my theme. That's good, right? Cheap pharma company. <laughs> we need pharma. It's certainly worth a look. I have no idea if I'd ever so buy this the in my real, life. Maybe but. the real message is to own more than one of them because not, they're well, not all I mean, going to go cheap. away. They're not all going generics. away, and they're not all just about to lose a patent, which a lot of people fear. Anyway, with a lot of ado, because I'm at the cabin with Vern, Vern Value. Average Vern. Vern. Okay, take it okay. away, my friend. Uh, thank you for that no, thank rousing you. introduction. Well, I'm going to, I, I might as well just extend your theme 
with one of my three stocks is also a pharmaceutical company. I think you may have talked about King on I a previous show. Well, we um, we recommended uh, we I've owned Watson and I just sold it. The symbol so here know. is KG, um, and what attracted me? So, same thing. I'd be looking at King myself right now if you hadn't taken it first. I see. Yeah. Valuation. Vern uh, calls me and says, "Hey, I'm doing King." I said, "I want to do King." That's right? Isn't that what happened, Vern? Come on, be honest. Okay. Yeah. It happens so, occasionally that we cry. We I wish I were doing the same that right style. now. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, but you did. You did three. That's true. Compellingly. I. Wow. I thanks. was. I'm. I, I had to your turn. rearrange my seat because I gotten kind of <laughs> up on the forward edge while you were. Talking. All right. Just go on with your show. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, so my theme, I, my thesis you talked about is a uh, combination of demographics and pain. Uh, pain. King, it's same kind of thing. This is 10 times earnings, so something like a 25% or 30% discount to market. Um, they are a vertically integrated proprietary drug manufacturer, and they have apparently have two big drugs, and they're both going off patent, something called Altace and something called Skelaxin. Uh, one's uh, hypertension, one is muscle relaxant, I guess related that way. Look out. But they're moving into pain in a big way. They made an acquisition uh, sometime in the past, looks like 2008, which added a uh, product called Embedda, which is an extended-release morphine. Uh, so you should get sting as To a the same point that we were talking about before. You know, when people are in the hospital and they have morphine to control their pain, they commonly have a self-regulating valve so that they can, you know, if it's IV, so that they can administer exactly what they need. Well, yeah, here's so a we drug. have right here at the cabin. Here's burns, a drug. Like that. <laughs> in liquid form. Oh. Uh, here's a drug that can do that for you in, you know, in oral form, I guess. Um, and then they have a couple other products, which are an immediate release form of oxycodone, and a long-acting oral oxycodone. So a couple things designed to make oxycodone, which is a very strong pain reliever. Um, I, don't, I don't know what the chemistry is, but uh, also designed for people with extreme pain. Here we're talking about incremental niches of managing that pain. And uh, while they've been delayed, and that's apparently had some impact on relative performance over the last six months, um, that's by its very nature, obviously temporary. Does it mean that uh, they're not going to? The, the rhetoric here from uh, from Value Line indicates that uh, the company's story is, anyway, that these are relatively minor issues and they should both pass so, FDA I'm sorry, approval. Are they doing the generics of? Uh, no, of these uh, these will be uh, proprietary products. Oxycont, so, not oxycontin. No, no, it's oxycodone. Is that like oxycontin? I mean, it, no, sounds, it just no. sounds a yeah, lot you know, like it. Sounds it sounds like it. Maybe the, the chemistry is, hmm. but um, no, it's a it's a pain reliever. It's a okay. powerful pain reliever. Must be. Um, so King is about to become uh, potentially a company with three very significant uh, pain products, and um, uh, Value Line's talking about historical margins. You know, when they benefited from the patent protection on these other drugs, uh, operating margins that ran. You know, call it 40, 45 to 50 percent, um, have in recent years been high 30s, low 40s. Value Line's looking for it to bottom out at 32, presumably with contributions from 
approved pain meds that would then hit the market. You'd want to do some, you, you need to know something here about cases and, uh, you know, assumptions for revenue per dose and, uh, you know, to give you a better idea of uh, what the opportunity might be. But uh, it seems to me with um, uh, valuation, which I calculate to be under five times Wow. According to Value Line, they think cash flow per share can bottom out at a buck seventy. The stock's just north of nine and a quarter. I would have been saying all this stuff for Oh, so this is super cheap. You know what I like about They're the, showing uh, growth rates. What's that? Can I interject? No, a comment? please do. Yeah. Uh, the thing I like about the generics is that as you move toward a more cost effective healthcare system, or as you attempt to do that, mm-hmm. one of the easy places to go to try to get cost savings is to put heat on the uh, generic you know industry or, or the the the, prescri- the prescribing industry to do more generics let generics come faster um, you know it, it all benefits generics because the prices of generic drugs are so much lower so patent expiration you know who knows what's going to happen there's a lot of talk about moving things toward generic faster and i think they have manufacturing capacity to make all kinds of drugs, obviously, because they do that already, and they may benefit as that strategy uh, evolves. Just well, there there will be a, a, a some place in the margin structure of the industry where they could have a balanced portfolio and earn a stable return. And this company's historically been able to generate uh, uh, ROEs in most years, like fifteen to twenty percent um, over like a it. long period of time. So. Fan. Take a look at King, uh, KG. Now, I have a couple others. Um, continuing with this healthcare theme, I was looking at the uh, employment stocks, the uh, you know the temp stocks, human resources, human resources industry, as they call it here, it, mm-hmm. um, to see if I could find something there. But these stocks are considered so early cycle that they've all run and look um, pretty expensive to me right Well, no now. one needs any employees, and so no one's hiring people to right. work Right, so for the them. fundamentals stink, and it's all gone up on speculation that, uh, you know, that we're about to see resumed growth in the economy, and somehow that'll drag their business along 12 months later mm-hmm. or something like that, well, like it has in the past. Seems I, a little you know, early. Seems a little optimistic, even with unemployment rates where they are, but... There are a handful of names that are exposed to health care, and there's a couple here I thought it was kind of interesting that uh, are almost mirror images of each other. AMN Healthcare, AHS, which I'm going to recommend, and something called Cross Country, CCRN, both trading around $7 a share. And um, basically, when I looked at these, um, I looked for, um, since they have similar um, valuations, I mean, one is nine times EBITDA, the other one's eight, AMN is cheaper. They're also cheaper on a PE basis, 20 times instead of 25. Um, is there a reason to believe that on those cheaper statistical numbers um, that I'm not giving it back in fundamentals or something? But um, the value line analyst, is, this is the same analyst on both stocks, is looking for a 50% decline in cash flow per share at AMN, only has a 40% decline in cross-country. I can't see a lot of difference between them. In fact, AMN seems to have a little bit better mix because they have a lower proportion of revenue from traveling nurse, temporary, um, you know, like home care nursing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're at something mm-hmm. like two-thirds that business. It's more like three-quarters at uh, CCRN. So I see. Um, 
looks like I have better mix, lower statistical valuation, more downside already in the estimates at AMN. Um, both of them have seen significant write downs, presumably in goodwill from acquisitions. Uh, both of them trade today. AMN, a little bit of a premium to book, cross country at about book or maybe a little bit below book. So, um, well, book doesn't maybe matter. Do you support. think that much I, here? You know, if really? you're going to turn and work, this book, um, that book, I mean, what's the book? Yeah, book? I don't know if it's yeah, anything at all. Um, Value Line's got very low growth rates forecast, but it's going to be a period now where you're going to be comparing against, as Value Line does, sort of the average of 2006 to 2008. And uh, that's when things were uh, at their best or just starting to uh, weaken. And so, of course, they're forecasting three- to five-year growth rates that aren't that big. But that <clears throat> really uh, dramatically understates what you might see off of the base that you established this year. So uh, take a look at AMN. The symbol is AHS. Similarly, I, I was looking through the life insurance stocks, and I was kind of struck by the fact that there's some that get multiples that are sort of like a 30% discount to market, maybe excuse me, 12 times, something 10 or 12 times. And there's this group that trade at like three to six times, according to value lines. She's, now, the stocks are up considerably uh, since th these reports were printed. So, I mean, like 10% in a couple cases, and the one I like, Protective Life, is up uh, something like 25%. Uh, the multiples are still four to seven times earnings. Well, some of these companies, I, you know, I think I've recommended Prudential on the show. They owned bonds that they thought were whatever, triple A, double A, and they just the, the the default risk, the mark to market issues, you know, these things I think as a group should recover as the mark to market the reversal of that flows through to their capital. Well, and protective life, which um at a little under thirteen bucks is about four times earnings, I have a three point seven percent yield with the dividend already cut substantially. Um, that hasn't happened at Torchmark or Aflac. Uh, Aflac doesn't make for much of a, a takeout candidate because it does most of its business in Japan. Um, protective life, I'm in the life insurance industry, how are you going to grow? I mean, I would, I'm, one obvious way is to try to leverage differential equity valuations. Protective life gets a, uh, uh, doesn't get more, pre their premium income is below their investment income, which probably has something to do with the multiple. Uh, they have a little more leverage as well, so you'd want to check out the, you know, their. Or you funding can buy people below right book. Now. That might be a creative uh, right now. There's no operating margin, of course, in this business. But if you just assume interest expense is an operating expense, you can take the net income that Value Line forecasts uh, back into pre-tax income, and in this case, uh, and a enterprise value for Protective Life is about six and a half times pre-tax income. So. Very, very cheap. You got to take a look at this stock, PL. So, uh, with that, um, you know, uh, what, like what's your one, favorite Bert. idea this week? Um, well, I'm really torn. I haven't really finished my work on Endo. So, you I may say do King, that. Because I'm not going to No, it. I'm going to say, you're not? <laughs> not as my favorite. Uh, I'm going to say Abbott Labs, ABT. Okay, my favorite is, guess what? Protective Life at four times earnings and uh, six times pre tax income. Great. Bye, everyone.